Hey, this is Homer Hargrove. I'm the pastor of Grape Top Church, and this is our podcast. I want to thank you for connecting with our family today, and I hope this message inspires you and that it makes a difference in your life. Enjoy the message. We are continuing our series on hard topics, and today our uh, our title for today's topic is Jealous God. And I want to just really get into the idea of what it, uh, what we're, what it is about God that makes him jealous. Is it? Uh, and there's a. I remember hearing a long time ago when I first gave my life to Christ, and it's like one of those conversations where people have their accusations against God, and it was this this accusation. Well, um, well, it says that God is jealous, and uh, that's just so immature for. Uh, this so-called God to be jealous. Uh, love is not supposed to be jealous. And it, and that phrase right there, that love is not supposed to be jealous. Love is not jealous. Let's kind of just l- take that for a second. And and let's look at both of where some scripture where it says God is jealous, like Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 24. It says, The Lord your God is a devouring fire, he is a jealous God. And there's so many scriptures that talk about God being jealous. But then in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 4, it says, Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud. And it's funny that people often use God's word mm. to, to try to describe uh, uh, these accusations against him. It was the Bible that said love is not jealous. It wasn't just invented on a fortune cookie. (laughs) It it was in the Bible where that's derived from. And people use scripture to try to discredit the God of scripture. It's a, it's kind of like this paradox, but let's just really like examine jealousy for a second. And I want us to really give a comparison of jealousy because we see the conflict about jealousy, God being a jealous God, but let's look at the comparison in Proverbs chapter 6, verse 34, it says, For the woman's jealous husband will be furious, and he will show no mercy when he takes revenge. And the scripture is talking about in Proverbs of, of why men should not sleep with a, <laughs> with a married woman. Hmm. Um, and so just remember that. Okay, yeah, you can remember that too. <laughs> uh, and, but then in Psalm 106, verse 16, it says, The people in the camp were jealous of Moses and envious of Aaron, the Lord's holy priest. And so we have these two, uh, I I just pulled out two, but these two instances of jealousy that are completely different. One is a a, a married couple, and one of the spouse, the one spouse is jealous of of, uh, adultery because of the other spouse committing adultery. Mm -hmm. And in this other instance, it's people being jealous of Moses's position. Mm -hmm. And just with these two scriptures, I really want us to just draw a connection of the different types of jealousy. There's a jealousy. There's a very big difference in being jealous of what is yours, what belongs to you. This is my wife. Mm -hmm. I am her husband. Mm -hmm. And there's a right for jealousy there. There's a righteous jealousy for, for us as a couple, as a married couple, Mm -hmm. but it's different from when you are jealous of what belongs to someone else. Mm -hmm. 
Right. When the people were jealous of Moses's position, they desired what they did not have. And I would go as far to say that there's also a difference in suspicious jealousy or envious jealousy. Suspicious jealousy is if I were to accuse my wife mm-hmm. out of my own insecurities mm. of her being jealous uh, of her being with someone else of of wanting to be with somebody else, not even acting on it, but just thinking that she wants to. Yeah. That's a suspicious kind of jealousy and it's it's derived completely out of insecurity. Mm-hmm. This other jealousy where we see uh the people were jealous of Moses it's derived out of envy, mm. envious of what they have. I'm jealous of what they have. I should have it. I deserve it. Um, and you're desiring what belongs to somebody else. But then we see righteous jealousy, the right to be jealous of what is yours. Mm. And this is the jealousy that God is comparing, is describing himself as. This righteous jealousy of covenant, of commitment. Mm. And now I, I want to talk about this this idea of unadulterated commitment. This is the kind of relationship God is uh, asking of us or wants from us. And it's this kind of jealousy that, that he describes himself as. In, in Exodus chapter 34, verse 12 through 14, I feel like this is one of the best scriptures that, that really unpack the jealousy of God. It says, be very careful never to make a treaty with the people who live in the land where you are going. If you do, you will follow their evil ways and become trapped. Instead, you must break down their pagan altars, smash their sacred pillars, and cut down their Asherah poles. You must worship no other gods, for the Lord, whose very name is Jealous, is a God who is jealous about his relationship mm-hmm. with you. God, all the way back, and anyone that tells you that the Old Testament is not applied, they're really moronic. Because here, all the way back in Exodus, the second book of the Bible that we, that we see, it describes how God was seeking a relationship with his people. Mm-hmm. And it says that his very name is Jealous, with a capital J. Mm-hmm. And, then it, and then it just, in case you didn't get it there, it says... He is a God who is jealous. <laughs> it, he is expounding on this idea of jealousy and describing himself because it's almost like he's saying that's how much he loves you. That's how much he cares for you. That's how much uh, you are special to him. And it's like this, this, this really interesting place to really think about because often we feel unworthy because of our own insecurities we feel like we don't, uh, that God is mad at us, that God uh, is just waiting to punish us. We think that God ha- wants to have nothing to do with us. But in fact, the way he describes himself is that he doesn't want you to have anything to do with anybody else. Mm-hmm. He wants you so bad and he wants you all to himself. He doesn't want you to chase after any other worship. He doesn't want you to chase after any other God or any other kind of religion. He wants you. And look at how particular uh, the verses right before it says, when you go into the land, it says, don't worship their, their evil ways. In fact, break down their pagan altars and smash their sacred pillars, cut down their Asherah poles. He's pretty much saying, destroy all forms of worship in the land when you get there. Imagine uh, just going in, uh, moving into a new land and all the stuff that was set up before, God is saying, hey, destroy all the churches that are there. Destroy all the... All the other temples, all the forms of worship, throw those down. 
because it's only you and me here, baby. Mm. And the, this kind of description that's uh, in this text is this unwavering commitment that refuses to be shared or even flirted with. God is saying, I don't even want these objects here to flirt with, to look at. I want you to just be look only at me. And it's, it's just like a everything or nothing relationship with God. And I want us to just take a moment here to think about that. That this jealousy God is talking about is an everything or nothing. He refuses to, for our hearts to be shared. Mm. And, you know, I can't speak for my wife, but I refuse for our love to be shared with someone else. You should speak for me, babe. We're on the same page <laughs> Okay, <here>. good. Yeah. <laughs> I, I refuse for that love to be shared. I, I would not be content with her flirting with somebody else or no. being with someone else mm. or only wanting to see somebody else once once a week. No, Never. it's just once a week. Yeah, no. You know, I see you all the other times of the week or maybe just once a year. Yeah. Just one time a year. Is it okay just one time out of the 365 days mm. of the year, just one day no, for me to just go and be do whatever I want, be wherever I want? Oh, no. <laughs> and you wouldn't want to be anywhere No, else. of course yeah, not. Yeah. It, but the, this idea, if if we were to get married and at our vows, she told me, I just want one day a year. One, one day every five years for me to just go and go crazy, do whatever I want. I'm like, girl, <laughs> give me that ring back. <laughs> I don't think so. It, and that is really the approach God is saying to us. But when he says it to us, like, oh, how could you? But when we want it from somebody else, it's, it's the very least expectation. Of course, you're supposed to only be with me. Yeah. But when God asks it from us, it's like, wow, this is a very jealous God. Yeah. How, how unfair. What, what do you think about what we're talking about, Lauren? Oh, I mean, there's a lot of stuff that um, made me think of, but I really like, when I first like began reading the Bible and like um, getting to know God, I remember reading that verse or um, reading where it said, God is a jealous guy. I remember being confused, like, that's not a good thing. Like being jealous doesn't get a good rap. Like it, it, and so yeah. I remember thinking like, okay, well, I know God loves me. He's good. So I don't understand that yet. Like what, what does he yeah. mean by that? But, um, as time went on, you know, I feel like God really revealed what that meant to me, what you're like sharing. And it makes me think like on the first aspect of what you shared, like the negative, um, aspects of being jealous. It makes me think of, you know, even in the 10 commandments, I feel like it's a very overlooked commandment where it says thou shalt not covet. You know, and it makes me think of like so many times we, we know don't murder, don't lie, but check, check. right, yeah, no, yeah, but coveting is something desiring or wanting something that is not yours, yeah. you know, and so many times that creates jealousy, and so many of us covet without even realizing it, yeah. whether it's something simple or something bigger. I want the life that they have, I want this, I want that, the I body want this. that they have, yeah. The body that they have, you know, without having to do all the hard work. I want to look like that. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> but you see what I'm saying? And so, you know, on the People negative... about that about you, by the way. No, babe, look at me. Anyways. I am. <laughs> okay. So <laughs> the, the aspect of at the end of the day, like when we, you know, and I, so many of us deal with this, you know, like we're coveting. It's hard to be, to really stop and continue having a grateful heart for what God has given you. It's dangerous when you fall into that lifestyle and mindset of, of coveting of of desiring more than what you have and yeah. and that causes you to be jealous and even envious of those around you those you love those that could 
um, inspire you rather than you feeling resentful towards them. You know, so anyways, you know, it just made me think of that that commandment and how easy yeah. it is to to not see the heart behind it. The yeah. heart behind it is to protect you, you know, from, from having these ugly feelings in your heart and help you to have a grateful yeah. heart. But going forward with when it comes to like this verse that you shared about um, what God said about him being a jealous God for us and how he says, go into the land and tear all these things down. It makes me think of our life. It, it first of all made me think of like the marriage example you gave. And then also, you know, in our life, when we become, uh, come to a place where we're really seeking after God's heart, where we, you know what, I'm done with this. Like, I just want God. I'm ready. You know, you're at that place. Sometimes it's easy to say, yeah, but I'm going to keep this, this, and this. Like, this is what's always helped me cope. This is, these are the things, you know, our vices, um, those unhealthy habits. And it's not always literally us going and smashing down these pillars, but there's things in our life that God is jealous uh, for us from. Does that make sense? Yeah. He doesn't, he wants a full relationship with us, but he's, he doesn't want these negative vices in our life stealing um, our relationship from him. There's a verse in the Bible that says, don't allow anything to come between, uh, to come in your heart between you and God. So many words, right? Yeah. yeah. But don't allow something to pretty much come into your heart where it's separating you from God. And I, and I, when I read this verse, it makes me think of that, you know, for us to analyze our life and what pillars do we have set up? What idols, what other religions, what weird stuff is in our life that is at the end of the day, um, separating us from God when all he wants is us and us alone to worship him and him alone. And, um, and, and it's funny example I thought of, and I'm coming to a close here, but, um, if you really think about it, I feel like, especially nowadays, people want to be desired in this passionate way like god describes he passionately desires you it says it's it's a consuming fire i don't know if y'all have seen those tiktoks (laughs) um i've heard of them but where it's like a girl trying to pretend some guy's liking her pictures or something and telling the boyfriend he's like oh okay yeah whatever it's like you're not jealous you're not mad and they're like no whatever and the girl gets upset because her boyfriend's not jealous, you know? And that's a really silly example, but it makes me honestly laugh and think about nowadays. Like, that's actually, like, how people feel. Yeah. There's no commitment anymore in relationships. There's yeah. no, like, passionate desire anymore. It's just selfish um, needs that are being met, and that's it. They don't care about the person. They don't care to really passionately pursue the person as a whole. They just selfishly go into relationships. And these women, and also men out there, but they desire to be passionately pursued. They desire to be the one and only person for somebody. They desire to to have someone who's not going to go out and, and find the second best, the third best, or just make you feel less than who you are. And so instead of looking at God of, oh, this jealous God, how could he? realize that he passionately desires you and is jealous for you and only you and he doesn't want anyone else hitting you up he doesn't want anybody else or anything else in your life that is not going to value you and love you the way he knows that you deserve only he can do that and so anyways those are some random thoughts i have yeah and and what you're sharing is really powerful lauren and and the the big takeaway from this point 
is the the true committed relationship God wants to have with you. He's made his commitment with you and I. And he, he made it all the way to the point of the cross to, to make, it's just like such an extension towards us. And I think like when we look at this verse where it says break down all the other altars, I mean, at first glance, it, it's almost like, um, I, th- I feel like this would be very intolerant mm-hmm. uh, to, to say like, oh, you can't have any other religion in your, in your home. You have to only have me and that's it. But the equivalent of what I see it as is starting a relationship and it, to me, it's the equivalent of deleting any pictures you have from anybody else you had before. Yeah. I mean, uh, if you have some, like, even inappropriate pictures, of right? Of course. And yeah. you have them on your phone from somebody else that, you, that you were with before, yeah. it's almost like common decency when you're with somebody new to delete those photos. Yeah. And here, God is just saying, like, hey, if it's going to be us, it's only going to be us from here on out. Yeah. Delete those photos. Mm, that's good right and, there. And that's what God is trying to, and, and yet people take this out of context, like, wow, what a, what an intolerant God. is like, yeah. no, what a, what a pure relationship God wants yeah. to have with you. Mm. What a real, authentic relationship he wants to have with, with his creation. Mm-hmm. And so that really leads us to our next point. And this is why this is a hard topic. It's almost like an elephant in the room when it comes to Christians. And it's the audacity of there being only one God. Yeah. The audacity of there being only one God. Now look, we're talking from the Christian faith perspective. We're talking in reference to what the Bible says. The Christian Holy Bible of what it says. And this is all derived from this perspective. And so you not being a Christian... I would imagine this to be offensive because there's a lot of over, you know seemingly overstepped claims that the Bible makes that Jesus makes. For example, in John 14:6 it says Jesus told him, "I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me." In John 17:3 Jesus again says, and this is the way to have eternal life, to know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, the one you sent to earth. An- another verse in 1 John 5, 5, it says, and who can win the battle against the world? Only those who believe that Jesus is the Son of God. In Mark 12, 29 through 30, it says, Jesus replied, the most important commandment is this, listen, O Israel, the God, our God. The Lord our God is the only one and only Lord. And you must love the Lord God with your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. And in Deuteronomy 10.21, it says, He alone is your God, the only one who is worthy of your praise, the one who has who has done these mighty miracles that you have seen with your own eyes. Mm-hmm. And so I could go on and on with all of the claims that the Bible makes, all of the claims that Jesus makes of him being the only way. And the only possible conclusions is this. Jesus, Jesus Christ, we're all talking about the same person, right? And these claims that he's making, that he is either a liar, meaning that everything he said was a lie and he knew he was lying, or he was a lunatic, meaning that he really thought that he was the son of God. He really thought he was the only way, but he was wrong and he was just crazy. Mm-hmm. 
or he's Lord, meaning that everything he said was true. And if everything that he said was true, if he, was, if he is Lord, if he is the Son of God, then he made himself so absolute in his statements. He said there is no other way to heaven. There's no other way to the Father. There's no other way to be saved except through me, he said. It's a very absolute claim. That's why scripture says uh, that narrow is the gate to heaven because it's only one person. That the highway to hell is broad. That there's many options. There's many loops that you could go through to get there. But to heaven, there's only a narrow gate being Jesus. And if that's the case, if he is Lord, then that means that every other way of religion or practice is a lie or something crazy. That's a really big statement that Jesus made. And I find that Christians have a really hard time dancing around this subject. Mm -hmm. I mean, everybody else knows about it, and it seems like Christ, uh, most Christians don't want to talk about it. And for me, it's like with, with my, again, going back to this idea of a jealous God, if I'm talking about my spouse, she is the only way I'm going to have kids because she's going to be the only way, the only way that I have sex, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, of course. <laughs> and so it's the only way for for uh, for life to happen mm -hmm. is through this avenue. Mm -hmm. And to go any other way is it, just it's not the right way. Right. But sorry. That, I feel like I just kind of went on a tangent there. No, that was... No. Was that good? No, that was good. Okay. So, I, I want to read this verse. In John 10, 6 through 10, this is Jesus again talking. He says, Those who heard Jesus use this illustration didn't understand what he meant. And so he just gave a parable, and people were like, Is he trying to say he's the only way? And, he's, and it says, So he explained it to them. I tell you the truth. I am the gate for the sheep. All who come before me were thieves and robbers, but the true sheep did not listen to them. Yes, I am the gate. Those who come in through me will be saved. They will come and go freely and will find good pastures. The thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. I want us to really unpack what this verse is saying. First of all, this this the end of it is saying that the the devil's purpose is still kill and destroy and that my purpose is to give life and life abundantly i don't think a lot of people a lot of people know about that verse but they don't recognize it as jesus talking about him being the only way yeah. it's in reference to religion it's in reference to other paths of possible salvation and it's in this context that he says there are many thieves and many robbers and the devil's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. And he's inferring that other religions steal, kill, and destroy if, if they are from the devil. Mm -hmm. Again, I'm not trying to make claims myself. I'm trying to unpack what the scripture is saying, uh, uh, that what Jesus is saying here. And it's important for us to really take all of this in. This is a really offensive message. This is a really hard to swallow message, especially if you're trying to explain it to somebody else. Yeah. Oh, 
No, your your religion, your religion, your faith—it's all lies. It's actually the devil that's been telling you all that, <laughs> and you worship demons, not really God. And even though you thought you were doing really good, you're just you're just practicing like witchcraft, really. Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, isn't that isn't that absurd to say to somebody else? Yeah, it's 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 very. And again, I'm not trying to say that that's what's really going on. I'm just saying like when you really dive into scripture. The Bible is makes some really absolute claims that you just can't dance around. There's been so many times where, especially when I first gave my life to Christ, where this topic would come up and I was finding my faith. I found Jesus and my whole life changed. And you, it was mostly the people close to me that were offended by my faith in Christ. And they would tell me things like, well, you know, every way, as long as you're finding a way to God, it's fine. It, you know, there's many paths. And I said, well, and I would, because I read my Bible, you have to read your Bible. I would, I would say, well, what about when Jesus said he is the only way? Is, and they, people would just get so frustrated when I would ask that. And I wasn't being sarcastic. I wasn't trying to ask a rhetorical question. I was asking, well, how could you say that when the Bible says this? And they would just get mad at me. And I understand now why, but the, the truth is that these, these were people that would call themselves Christians and yet say, yeah, like every path is fine as long as you find it. That All religion is the same, even though all, re- all other religions have different names of their gods, different sins, different th- ways to get to heaven. I mean, it, it's, a, it's really a ridiculous claim. It's like saying all, all trees, all plants are the same. It's like saying that all plants are the same. But the truth is, every plant is specifically different. Every every tree is different. Every every flower is different. And so to just try to con- con- conglomerate all religion as being the same, it's like saying, well, all humans are the same. All humans are the same. I mean, yeah. and it's it's just ridiculous because every human is completely different to where not even one fingerprint is the same. Mm-hmm. And it's trying to put a very oversimplified answer or solution to a very complicated question. And, and so I, I know that I'm going on and on about this, but I want you to really soak in. If you call yourself a Christian, there's no way you could avoid this subject. And it's, is Jesus a liar? Is Jesus a lunatic or is Jesus Lord? I want to share one last scripture with you, and it's in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 19 through 23. Now, this is pretty intense, so just buckle your seatbelts. What am I trying to say? This is Paul talking. Am I saying that food offered to idols has some significance or that idols are real gods? No, not at all. Stop there for a second. Paul is saying that other idols are not gods at all. And then it says, I am saying that these sacrifices are offered to demons, not to God. And I don't want you to participate with demons. You cannot drink from the cup of the Lord and from the cup of demons too. You cannot eat of the Lord's table and at the tables of demons too. What? Do we dare rouse the Lord's jealousy? Do you think we are stronger than he is? You say, I am allowed to do anything. But... Not everything is good for you. You say, I am allowed to do anything, but not everything is beneficial. And it, I really feel like these two verse, these uh, scripture references are very, very good to unpack together because Jesus makes a reference saying people are free to come and go as they please. There's so much freedom in Christ. 
And here in this scripture, he's saying you can do anything you want, but not everything is good for you. Good. And and he's talking uh, specifically about he just make, goes from like the worship of idols or even just eating food that was offered to idols and then jumping into this. And I, I want you guys to really I want you guys to really understand this idea of a jealous God. It has it has really clear conclusions that are made in the Bible. And God is simply saying, I'm the only one. And if you choose to worship anything else, you're not choosing to worship me. There, it's, there's just no way. There's just no way. Uh, God is monogamous. And he will not have a, polygam, uh, a polygamous relationship with you. Yeah. And I, I just, I really want to make it clear in, in how God describes himself. And how Jesus describes who he is. And the only way that we can really begin to see Jesus as a true Lord of our lives, to see to walk in a relationship with God, is to open the idea of this scripture being accurate and true. And if we cannot accept Jesus being the only way, then 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 we cannot accept any of it. Mm-hmm. Because he himself said that. And when you're when we're making these 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 conclusions from scripture. I am a logical thinker. I was not brought up Christian. And I know that there's so many different accusations about the Christian faith and how, uh, how very exclusive people make it out to be. It's actually the most inclusive religion in the world to where anybody and everybody is to be saved because of Jesus's work on the cross. And that God desires every human being to be with him. It's the most inclusive relationship, the most inclusive faith there ever was. And, but even with saying that, because of how it being only one way, it, there's a lot of accusations that come with it. Well, how can you say that? How could you know? How do you know it's the only way? And the Bible tells us what our proof is. It's in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 12 through 19. It says, But tell me this, since we preach that Christ rose from the dead, why are some of you saying there will be no resurrection of the dead? For if there was no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, then all our preaching is useless and your faith is useless. And we apostles would all be lying about God, for we have said that God raised Christ from the grave. But that can't be true if there is no resurrection of the dead. And if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has not been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then your faith is useless and you are guilty you are still guilty of your sins. In that case, all who die, have died believing Christ are lost. And if our hope is in Christ only for this life, we are more to be pitied than anyone in the world. In this verse, these verses, it is why we, we made our name as a church, Grave Top Church. Because everything is about how Jesus is on top of the grave. He is not dead, he is alive. And the whole foundation of our belief And Jesus Christ is because we believe that he rose from the dead. 
And this is not just because the Bible says he rose from the dead, but because there's so much historical evidence showing that he rose from the dead. There is secular historical evidence that Jesus rose from the dead. Witnesses, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of witnesses and written documents of this happening. It wasn't just a lie. Even when we look at scripture and see how it was told, it shows a story being told, not a story being made up. The very first person Jesus revealed himself to after he rose from the dead was Mary Magdalene, and a disreputable person, not just a disreputable person, but a disreputable woman who not even the disciples were willing to believe. And those times a woman's testimony wasn't even usually used in court, let alone the basis of the first witness account of Jesus raising from the dead. It is, uh, it would be ridiculous for them to just make it up and say for, uh, for this woman that no one believed to be the first one to see him raised from the dead. It would just not be a good way to start a lie. Not only that, but we see all of the disciples at first being cowards. All of them left Jesus and were not willing to die for him because they weren't sure exactly if this way was the only way. And they weren't willing to die for it. After they saw him resurrect uh, and alive again, then they all were martyred except for John who was deserted and left for dead. They were all killed for their faith. You don't turn from a coward to a martyr without something you really had hard evidence to believe in. And so again... The, the reason that we believe this overstep claim of Jesus saying that he is the only way, your simple answer should be, because I believe that he rose from the dead. I believe that he rose from the dead, and since he did raise from the dead, I believe that it's through the cross that my sins are paid for, that I don't have to pay for my own sins, that he paid them for me. Mm -hmm. And so whenever you're trying to have a conversation about this, you don't have to even tell somebody that they're wrong. I've had so many conversations with people, and people don't usually get mad at me. It's, I've had people very angry at church, angry at God, and me able to share their faith and then thank me for it in doing it in such a polite and dignified way. I mean, guys, it's so simple. I don't have to tell anybody that they're wrong. I, why would I need to do that when I can just uh, clearly state why I believe what I believe? I can say, I understand why you believe that. I understand your faith. I understand how you see it that way. For me, I am a Christian because I really believe that Jesus died on the cross and that it was a payment for my moral sins. And I believe it because I, I really believe that he rose from the dead. And I feel like there's so much evidence in that fact that it is what has given me my hope and belief in Jesus alone. And that's why I only believe in him and I don't really I don't believe in any other way. And when you when you say in just describing what you believe you don't even have to tell anybody that they're wrong. You don't have to try to tell them that, oh, you're worshiping demons. You're going to hell. That's just, that's just a stupid way to go about it. The Bible says to be gentle and humble and giving, uh, to give evidence of why you believe what you believe, not trying to destroy the evidence of somebody else's beliefs. So I know I kind of went on for a minute, but Lauren, what do you think about all that? Um, yeah, there is a lot of good stuff there. Um, but going back to um, even the first verse that you shared about Jesus being the only way and, and he's the gate to the Father, mm. um, it made me think of this one part that says, um, and all who came before me were thieves and robbers. And so 
you know, all these other ideas of religions out there. You know, we're talking about Jesus is the right way, the only way, the way to eternal life, the way to heaven, the way to God, the one that we're desiring. But there's so many religions. There's so many other things to worship, so many idols. But all of them are thieves and robbers. Jesus is the only one who God sent, the only one who sacrificed his life and took all of our sins and the only one that God himself raised from the dead. All of these other religions were based off of random men who did great things, based off of people who came and made a difference, you could say, who who were able to create some sort of following, who were able to convince people of, of certain ways. And But they were not Jesus Christ himself. They did not die on the cross for us. They were not raised from the dead. When I, you know, when I look at this and when I think about the random other religions, you know, it's just, it's just a bunch of different groups that, that created a following of some random person in a sense, you know. And so it's just so important for us to know as Christians, like, why we're following Jesus, which is why it's so important for us to talk about today, so important for Christians and for us to know why we follow Jesus and the proof is in the cross. And, and, and it also makes me think of so many times, like as Christians, we kind of like hear this idea and we're like, oh yeah, yeah, like Jesus is the only way, but you know, but there's other ways. Like as long as, you know, we, we're all going to God, we're, we're all, all going to, yeah, we're all chilling. Like everyone just respect each other's beliefs. Like I'm all about respecting people. Yes. But my point is like, yeah, just like go with the flow. Like people love God in their own way. Well, here's the thing. Why do people not want to commit to Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior? Sometimes in my personal opinion, and accept that he's the only way in my opinion is a lot of times because they are not ready to commit to a wholehearted relationship with him and all that comes with Jesus Christ and the ways of living, but they want to justify their lifestyle. They want to say, oh yeah, God's good, but this is how I'm going to live. And I, me not committing to that and saying every way works justifies an unhealthy lifestyle, if that makes sense. Mm. Justifies what you want to, what um, idols you want to keep in your life and what, no, I'll destroy that one. I can do without that one. But this one, no, I'm going to keep it. So this is the Jesus I worship. And so, so many times we create our own God. The Bible says that we, we go with whatever tickles our ear, that we create our own idols and we say this, yeah, this, I'm a Christian. Yeah, I worship God, the only God. Yeah, sure, I think so. But really what we have done nowadays is we've created with our own hands the God that we want to worship. I want him to look like this. I want him to think this. I want him to be okay with this. I want this in my life still. Like I want, this is my God. Yeah, oh yeah, I'm a Christian. And, and I'm not trying to be like messed up. Like we all struggle with things. Don't get me wrong. There's a difference between actively walking with God, struggling with certain things and walking towards freedom compared to being um, in a place where like, this is what I want. This is a life I'm going to live and I don't really need anyone to tell me otherwise. And I'm just going to label myself a Christian. And so, you know, going back to, like I said, this, the, even that scripture, he said, you can't drink from the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons, you know? And so sounds pretty intense, but at the end of the day, we need to make a wholehearted commitment. Either we're all in or we're not. Yeah. And as you know, like commitment is always scary, but nowadays, like, you know, it's, it's, it's 
like there is no such thing as commitment unfortunately in our in our culture you know there's no commitment to uh text to call to be in relationships to be um with one person nowadays it's just like whatever i feel whatever i want but god when we really truly commit to this relationship with god i tell you you know you will discover this in your own personal way but it's the best decision you can make it is the truth is all of us are longing and have this deep longing in our soul that we are constantly trying to fulfill and fill with other idols with other gods with other things but god is the one we're looking for i know this because i've been on both sides as well and when i finally got on my knees and surrendered to this god to Jesus Christ, it was the first time I felt life. It was the first time I yeah. truly felt um, my identity and who I was because he's the creator. He's the one who created me. You know, he, he is the only way in the first time ever. And I've never looked back ever since because I have no doubt on my mind that I found the right way. You know, when you find the right way, you have no doubt in your mind. And, you know, ending on this, like, that verse that says, you know, the enemy comes to still kill and destroy, you know, sometimes it just, it makes me think, think of these other deceptive religions. Like you have to have a foundation and know what you believe. If not, you will be deceived by every new teaching, by everything that comes your way, that sounds good, that tickles your ear. But when you realize what you're really looking for is right here is Jesus. When you find that and when you commit to that, you never want to look back. And so um, I hope some of that made sense, but those are my thoughts on what you shared so far. Yeah, and I really love the passion that you have in in just sharing your your heart and finding just really Jesus as your true love. And what, you know, before moving into our last section, what I was just thinking about is that the most deceitful idol that has been created is the idol of being a good person. Mm. And that's really what what people fall back on and the truth is there's a lot of good people some of the nastiest ugliest hearted people i've met have been in church mm-hmm. and, and that's just straight out yeah, and it sucks mm-hmm. but in some of the nicest people i've met there's some of the, i when i was driving for for uber i had much nicer interactions from people i picked up from the bars at <laughs> two o'clock in the morning than i did when i'd walk into most churches it was just that's just a reality and the the idea of being a good person let's look at that for a second is that not the most commonly quoted ideas like well as long as you're a good person and you know you find your own way it's all fine mm-hmm. and the devil does not care about us being sinful that's what people think like the devil's tempting me into sin mm-hmm. the de- the devil doesn't care if you are living in sin as much as he just cares you being away from God Mm. from you just not seeing Jesus as the only way that's the only thing he cares about he's the the devil is described as the anti-christ if he could cause you or anybody else to believe that is that you do not need to solely trust in Jesus as long as you're a good person then he succeeded Mm. and you you can be a good person you could be a great person but it has no effect if the God of the Bible is real. It means nothing if Jesus is the only way. And so I want to emphasize that, that there are a lot of great, amazing, good 
people, there's, and especially in other faiths, there's really good people out there. There's really good atheists out there. There's really good all kinds of people. But it's not about being a good person. It's about if this text is true of Jesus being the only way, then we as Christians have a duty of giving people the chance to hear it. And they get to make their own choice. We don't control them, but we have to stick to what we believe and give the opportunity of love for somebody else. And now let's go into this last idea. And it really is the wonder in the authentic practice of worship. I mean, when you think about worship, it is a really wonder, a wonderful thing. And I don't mean wonderful as like, oh, it's like butterflies and rainbows. I mean, like you wonder about like, what's really going on here? And if, especially if you're like new to the faith or if you've been into church for the first time and you saw people like in praise and worship during the songs and stuff and you're like, what the freak is going on? <laughs> and if you've ever seen somebody like truly just let go and active in their worship to where it's, it's like you can see them and you can tell that like nothing else in the room matters. They're having like this moment with God and it makes you just wonder like what is going on there and what happened in this person's life that is causing them to have this moment right now. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. And I want to share a couple of verses in Matthew 11:28 through30. It says, "Then Jesus said, "Come to me, all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart." It doesn't say vengeful and wrathful, right? It says Mm. humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. God cares about his people. For my yoke is easy to bear, and my burden I give you is light. That sounds way better than the burden and yoke of churchianity, right? Mm. You go to church, and you have to do this, this, and that. Then you'll become a real Christian. Then we give you a couple of shots. We give you this baptism record. You get your certificates. And then after that, you take a six-week course, and then you'll really become a Christian. (laughs) It, and yet, here it says, that, that doesn't feel light and <laughs> easy to bear. But Jesus' burden is light and mm. good, not churchianity. Mm. And Matthew 10, 39, my, one of my favorite verses, If you cling to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for me, you will find it. Mm-hmm. John chapter 4, verse 23 through 24 says, Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in the Spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is Spirit, and His worshipers must worship in the Spirit and in truth. Mm. What does all that mean, right? Right. <laughs> and, and so there's three, three uh, ways I want to unpack this idea of worship. The first is a holistic lifestyle. To be a Christian, it is not a once a day, it's not once a week thing. It's not about how many check marks you can uh, check off the box. It's not about if you read your Bible this often or if you pray that often. Mm -hmm. It is really a a holistic lifestyle to where everything about your life is Christian. Everything about your life. I'm uh, the way you uh, think about it for a second. The way you eat is different. I pray for my food now. Mm. I thank God for my food. Even the way you eat is different. The way you view sex is different. The way that you view uh, everything that you consume is different. The way that you view media, it's different. The way that you behave at work 
should be different. Mm -hmm. The way that you live, the way that you talk, the way that you do things, the way that you react to things, it is all different when you become a whole a wholehearted Christian. And that is the kind of Christian God wants, a Christ-likeness. And I saw the other day somebody say, uh, somebody, I saw, I never comment on things because like, I don't even want to get into it. <laughs> but I saw somebody say that um, it was this idea that, that Christianity uh, or religion should not be involved in government at all. And that should be 100% separate. And that, uh, and yet, that's the way Christians vote. All these Christians vote, even though religion and government is supposed to be separate. Now look, I reflect and understand that not everybody is a Christian. I'm not an idiot. <laughs> everybody has the freedom to vote for whoever the heck they want to vote for. Mm. And I do not believe that, we, that anyone should be condemned if they vote for somebody, no matter who you are. But the idea that you should not involve your faith or your religion, whatever religion you are, into politics, into how you vote, is the most asinine, ignorant thing to ever say. Let me explain why. It's not because I believe you should that our politics or our government should impose religion onto people. I believe it should be the freedom of religion. I love the freedom of religion, that everyone has a choice, and it should be their choice. It shouldn't be forced upon anyone. It, God does not even impose that. He makes it such a choice in Scripture. What I'm getting at is that as a Christian, our faith should consume every part of our life, especially the, the way that we vote, the way that we want our government, our country, our world to be. And if we believe in, in Jesus, we would want that same faith to be penetrated in the hearts of every person that, that's possible. Yeah. And so to say that it's wrong to vote uh, in a Christian way, that's just ludicrous. Yeah. My morals are reflected by my Christianity. I would not have morals if it wasn't because of my faith. Why would I not vote that way? Yeah. And so... Now, when it comes to like this, I, let's just take a moment to pause here. Voting. It does not matter who you vote for. It doesn't matter if you vote for Biden. It doesn't matter if you vote for Trump. People are like, oh, let me write a comment right now. Kanye, hey. <laughs> or Kanye, hey. 2020. Why not? <laughs> who, who else wants to get? Gary Coleman, get in here. <laughs> who, who cares? It's, a, it's just anyone could go. No, I should stop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Anyway, it doesn't matter if you if you vote for Kanye, if you vote for Biden, <laughs> if you vote for Trump. It doesn't matter. What matters is why you're voting for them. Yeah. And, and I will I will go as far to say, guys. Look, I'm not pleased with anybody that's running for office right now. I, I really think it's insane when I when I hear people that are like, "Oh hell yeah, Trump's gonna change, bring us back." And I also think it's crazy when people are like. Biden's going to fix everything that Trump destroyed. It's like, guys, come on. They're both freaking nuts. <laughs> and and the, at the end of the day, both sides, let's look, this is kind of like a sidestep. Both sides, guys, every, the people that do are like, you know, hardcore right or hardcore left. Have you noticed that they all say like, if, if Trump could just keep his mouth shut till the election, we might have a chance. Or... You also hear if Biden can just keep his mouth shut, we actually might. Have. So, it everyone it's almost like everyone subconsciously knows or like consciously knows like both of our choices kind of suck right now. Yeah. But all that aside, 
I think it's wrong to say that you are not a real Christian if you vote for Biden. And I think it's asinine to say the same about Trump. It's not about who you vote for. It's about why you're voting for them. And if you, out of your, your heart and your, your spirit, are seeing the uh, things that you desire out of your spirit, your morality, whatever, and voting for either person, that is your right to do so. And it is a part, that is between you and God. That, that's not between everybody on Facebook or everybody mm-hmm. on whatever. It, <laughs> it, it is really your choice and it should reflect and you should have the freedom reflect your faith in it because you're a person and an individual. We are not, we are not political people just for uh, on uh, every four years. It sh- that every four years it should reflect everything about us, our our way of life, our social interactions, the way that we operate as people, especially our faith. And so I know I went a little bit long on there, but. Guys, it's kind of like the topic. It's it like should the penetrate hot... our whole life, is yeah. what you're saying. Yes. Even, even, even that. Even when voting. And so, uh, just to reiterate, holistic lifestyle, every aspect of our life. I know I went on a tangent on that part, but it's because oh, I. Good and relevant. It's because I keep seeing stuff, and it's like, guys, yeah. like, yeah. stop saying that you're not a real Christian. Like, you, like that's not even it's between not for you. Them to say. Yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. not even your business. Yeah. But at the end of the day, it should penetrate your. Uh, being a Christian should penetrate your your morals, your politics, your the way that you handle money, yeah. the way that you eat, the way that you treat others. It's everything about your life is now Christian, not just Sunday. Yeah. And the other the other way of worship of God it, that it really should be a daily devotion and pursuit. Now, devotion looks different for every person. The idea of devotion is not uh, just like a a, a step program of like step one wake up step two read my bible step three pray and i gotta do all this if i open my facebook app or instagram before i open the bible then i'm not really having a devotion or being a real christian guys like that's a great level of like like importance that you put the bible or prayer above that mm-hmm. but the i want you to really break it down into a very simple idea and that I am pursuing Jesus in my relationship with him in some way today. Yeah. I am pursuing, I am devoted to him alone. And I want my day to reflect that in some way. Even if it's just gratefulness. Mm-hmm. I want to devote, if I'm praying for my food, I'm, I really don't want to just like, God's great, God's great, amen. Mm-hmm. I want to really just, even to take a moment, like, God, thank you for providing because there's people that don't get to eat. Yeah. And just that is just praying for your food is a form of devotion. And and it's especially, guys, when you start going to next levels, making like a reading the Bible on a regular basis, I am like almost disgusted by how many people went to seminary but haven't don't read the Bible Bible themselves. The, I, when I first hear someone saying like, oh, well, I went to seminary, I'm like, oh, they must actually understand scripture. And then I realize that they haven't even read through the Bible themselves all the way through and it's like what the freak like that's like number one <laughs> like and guys it's just simple it's really simple we need to understand scripture or we're not going to know what the hell we're doing we need to devote ourselves and pursue god in simple practices and then finally worship is a decision to lift up the name of god even when we are down even when we are down even when we're uh we feel on the dirt when we're we're at our lowest point 
it's a decision to lift up the name of Jesus. Yeah. And it's also that same decision when we're on the up and up, when it feels like everything is good. It's a decision to lift up Christ in our lives. Mm-hmm. And this idea that that person that you have admired and worshipped, like, man, I wish I could worship like them. They just seem so free. Guys, it, it takes these kinds of steps, having a holistic lifestyle. It, it takes a daily devotion. It's not that they... Are, were so ready to worship this day is that they've been worshiping all week and it's just that normal to them now to where they can just have a moment where it's like nobody else is there and it's just them and God because they've already been doing that that week and it's the decision that they've made to lift Jesus up even though their life may suck or be great at that moment because it's not based of our circumstances of why we believe in Christ when I would ask people, why are you a Christian? Not being raised in church, I wanted to know. Most people, it was either my life has been really good or my life has been really bad. And if you've been alive long enough, you know that that's going to change. Your life is going to either start sucking really bad or your life is going to turn around and things are going to be okay. And so to base your faith or your decision to worship based off of circumstances is foolish. You have to decide to worship I made a decision a long time ago. I remember the day where I decided from here on out, I'm going to decide to worship. And it was when I was invited to a church and they started singing worshiping and nobody else was standing. And I thought, well, what the freak? Why aren't we? I thought I'm supposed to like stand and worship. And, and it's a simple interaction that happened. But in my heart, I felt so convicted because I wanted to get into it. It's like an opportunity to worship God, the God of my salvation. And even though it was really awkward and, might be sound weird to some of you. I started thinking like, man, well, if I stand during the Pledge of Allegiance, why wouldn't I stand to worship my God? Mm. And guys, no lie, I stood up, even though it was super awkward in a church, to worship and really get into it. And I, I literally heard people laughing and snickering around me. But in that simple moment as a teenager, I decided I was going to worship God no matter the circumstances, no matter what I'm going through, no matter if everyone's doing it or if I'm the only one doing it, I want to decide to worship. And so... We're, we're coming to a close on that. And Instagram, I'm sorry, we have to reset y'all real quick. We're wrapping up, but we're going to be right back. Um, and as, as, we're, as we're wrapping up, guys, um, I, want you to, I want you to think about this, this idea of worship of God being a holistic lifestyle, a daily devotion and pursuit, and a decision to lift up. A decision to lift up. And... Um, Welcome back, Instagram. You are now live. Sorry about that. My bad. We've been, we just get real into it. We talk longer. It's a political thing. I yeah. shouldn't talk that long. No, it's okay. We would have been on time if I just <laughs> didn't go on that tangent. That's good. But before we end, Lauren, please share some thoughts about the wonder, uh, this, this wonder and aspect of the practice of worship. Yeah. Um, and so what I thought when you shared even the first scripture and we're talking about, you know, the main point today is like God being a jealous God for us. And this first scripture, we're talking about like, you know, the authentic practice of of worship. And I love that it starts off and Jesus says, come to me. Mm. Like it's so simple. Come to me, take my yoke upon you. And he continues to say, I am humble. I am gentle. You will find rest for your souls. And so, so many times, where do we run when we need rest, when we're tired, when we're overwhelmed, when we need a break, when we're weary and carrying heavy burdens? We run everywhere. We go to all different kinds of things. But Jesus is saying and reminding us, I am the one who will give you rest. 
I am the one that will take that heavy burden off of your shoulders that you're not supposed to take. I am the one and the only one. And so I just love that verse. It always encourages me. Um, but I love it because it's it's the essence of God saying, I'm the one. And how many of you, you know, how many of us need that? How many of us are feeling overworked and overburdened and need rest? He is the one and the only thing that will give us that. Not these other substances, not these other things, not these other relationships or religions, but him. And um, the last thing that, you know, um, as you're closing in the last point you talked about, when it comes to worship, a decision to lift him up when he, whether we're uh, to worship him, to lift him up, whether we're up or down. It really makes me think of um, a time specifically in our life and in my life when we were trying to have babies. Um, and so we spent three, three years trying and we had two miscarriages. Um, and so that was a really hard time. And our second miscarriage, I was, I was really just God like, okay, like, is this going to happen? Am I going to have children? Like, is something wrong with me? All these questions. God, why did this happen again? It was a really hard time. And I happen to have this conference scheduled to go to already, this girls' conference for Jesus. And uh, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> and, um, and I decided to still go. And I was like, this is a perfect time. Like, I felt really broken and really heavy. And I went, and I remember it was speaking right to me the whole time right but there is a moment i see i'm already getting goosies there is a moment when this song came on during worship and you may have heard of it it's a popular one i heard it today reminded me again it's called do it again by elevation worship go hit him up to cry it's amazing but it was talking about how he will do it again that he is faithful that what he promises he can do and i remember literally bawling as I had just had a miscarriage like three days before and bawling and saying, God, I know you can do it again. I know you can put life in my womb again. That is your promise. And he was reminding me that that was his promise for me, that his promise was to do it again and that it would happen. It would work that I would have children. And so, you know, it, it really like made me cry and I was a mess. And there's another song that came on and it was just a, such a mess, but such a beautiful song. And then, um, then three years later we have joy and then boom, we have Jules and then boom, we're pregnant again. So three years of trying, three years of having a kid each year. I mean, that is God's goodness. Those are like retroactive That babies. is God's goodness. Yeah. But whoa, when his blessings come, they come and just be like ready. Like a flood. Yeah, I'm trying to, you know. Um, but anyways, but when I hear that song now, I'm keeping my head above water. Yeah. Yeah. It's, a, it. it's a joke. Yeah. And so, but when I hear that song now, even today, we took some time of worship and we listened to it. Every time I'm holding one of our girls and I, it always makes me stop and think I'm on the other end of this song. Great is your faithfulness. I look at our children and there was a moment I was worshiping when I was down the, the, in the really tough place. I was worshiping when I was broken to that song, when my hands were empty, I had no children to hold. And years now I'm worshiping to that song and I'm seeing the promise that he promised. Yeah. I'm seeing what he said he would do fulfilled and I'm holding them, whether I'm holding them or they're trying to get off and, and, you know, yell for snacks in the middle of worship. God bless them, right? God did it and he will do it. And so, um, I guess my point is just sharing a personal story that how powerful it is to worship in your brokenness. Yeah. When God reminds your soul in the midst of being broken and empty handed, 
those are the most special times of worship. But then being able to worship on the other end when, when God has fulfilled his promises is such a special thing. And so um, just encourage you, no matter where you're at, to just, even when your hands feel so heavy, lift them up because I tell you, God will refresh your soul, will give you rest and remind you of his promises. And so that's what I wanted to share. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's so powerful, Lauren, what you're sharing and the the before and after of just like the decision to worship. Yeah. And, you know, in, in closing on this, I, I want to just really speak for a moment on, speak for a moment about where you're at and everything that we talked about today the whole emphasis is really on a true relationship with God I was thinking for a moment I, I used to ask people if you could just do whatever you want and you didn't have to worry about what you couldn't do would you follow God and I had so many people that were like oh yeah and so it, it like would just show that there's this belief in our hearts but a hesitation because of what we think the commitment requires mm -hmm. And I want you to think about a, a, a relationship. It's like the, I'm, I just imagine like this guy that's afraid of commitment and asking him, if, would you, if you could just still do whatever you wanted, would you get married? Yeah. And the idea of like, well, yeah, probably. <laughs> and then asking them, now if your wife could just do whatever she wanted, Dang. would you want to marry her? And I'm like, well, no, she can't do that. <laughs> and we have such a double standard in, in the way that we handle things but it, it's like that's the way we view God is that, God, I want to be able to do everything I want. I want to uh, do, you know, I don't really want to commit to you. I just don't want to go to hell. <laughs> and this, that's just like not a satisfying relationship. And God won't have that with you. He will not just marry you just to say that y'all are married. He will only have an authentic, real relationship with you. And I'll end with this verse that we shared earlier. Jesus saying, if you cling to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for me, you will find it. And mm -hmm. I really feel like that is for somebody that's watching, that's listening right now. Yeah. And you've been afraid that committing to Christ would cause you to lose the life that you have. Mm -hmm. I'm telling you from the other side, I tried everything else. And it wasn't until I tried Christ that I truly did not need anything else. Yeah. And if you were afraid of what you'll lose... I'm telling you, 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 there's only gain. Yeah. It's like the verses earlier where Jesus said that the devil comes to kill, steal, and destroy. Those are the things that we go to right now other than Christ. Mm -hmm. It says that he's come to give life and life abundantly. Mm -hmm. And so just try, if you even have the notion in your heart that you believe in God, that you believe in Jesus, just trust then at his word and stop holding off. Today is the day, and you yeah. need to stop putting it off. Yeah. It, it really is a time for you to make a decision, and don't keep putting off tomorrow what you need to do today. And so if that's you, I want you to just pray with us. The Bible says that all you have to do, God makes it so easy. It's like he's already been on his knee for you waiting with this wedding ring out in the shape of a cross and saying, will you? And all you have to do is believe in your heart and confess with your mouth. It's like saying, I do, out loud. You can't just say it in your heart. You have to say it out loud. He mm. needs to hear it from you. Mm. Say, I do. And so pray with me. Say, God, I believe you are who you said you are. Who, that you are the jealous God 
for me. That you love me and that you won't share me. I believe that you showed this when you sent Jesus to die on the cross for me. And I believe that Jesus paid my debt and that he rose from the dead. I believe that that proved he was the son of God and that it was a real payment. And I just want to surrender to you right now. And I want you to be the Lord of my life, the savior to my soul. I want to be married to you. I want to be in a real authentic relationship with you. And I want to learn how to live a holistic worship lifestyle to you. I want to be devoted and I want to pursue you. I want to decide to worship now today. Help me, guide me, and fill me with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. If you prayed that with us today, we really want you to be connected with the family. You shouldn't have to walk alone. The Bible describes us as adopted children. We were orphans before Christ, but once we find God as our Father, we are adopted into His family. And so us brothers and sisters want to hang out together. We want to know each other and know all the places that we've been before so that we can com- uh, so that we can just love on one another and share our stories together, share our lives together. And so please just send us a message, drop a comment, just connect in some way. I know that it's, it's tim- it, you can feel timid, it's kind of nerve-wracking, but just do it. Get rid of the goosies and just press <laughs> send. And I'm telling you, we're chill, we're cool, we're, we really want to connect with you. We're not going to judge you. We know what it feels like to be judged. We want to really just love on you and let you know that you're accepted and loved here. So that being said, um, we we are going to wrap up our message today. You feel good about that? You yeah, feel you like our message yeah. today? Yeah, got to get in some worship. I know, right? right. Um, <laughs> we we really do. And and you know, with all that being said, if you have it on your hearts to give today, to be a part of Grave Top Church through through tithe to through offering, if you want to connect. Uh, with us that way, I want you to know that there are so many stories that that we are blessed to to be a part of. So many redemption stories, so many freedom stories of people having true life change through G- Grave Top Church because of your giving and your support. You have caused us and helped us to be able to do that. And um, and if you want to partner with us like that today. All you have to do is go to gravetop.com, click the Give tab, and it tells you all the different ways to give there. You can just give online straight through there. You can give through our uh, church app, which is also, uh, you find out how to do that online. You can even just give through Venmo or Cash App. Uh, But whatever way, way it is for you, we want you to know that we never want someone to feel pressured or persuaded to give when they don't feel led to give Mm. we want the holy spirit to lead you we want your uh, to be your decision but we also want you to know that you truly do make a difference we would not be able to do what we do without your support so thank you especially in the times that it's been these hard times especially want to thank those of you with for your continued support for your continued tithes and offerings for your continued giving it is just encouraged us so much to see people trusting God in that way and still making a decision to worship through their giving. So all that being said, we love you so much. We're so happy that we got to spend some time with y'all. Um, Harry, thank you so much. Mallory, uh, he's telling us to sing. You, should we? No, babe. No, <laughs> yeah, no. I, I kind of feel imagine. like my foot's tapping, you yeah, know? <laughs> yeah, well, that's, that's all we got all for you folks. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, uh, the rest of you guys, we love y'all so much. Laura, I see you there. Kayvon, so glad you could be a part. 
Um, and all of you guys that have just been uh, being a part, we're so grateful for y'all. Crystal, uh, Mom, uh, uh, Tori. hey Tori, what's hey. up, girls? Yeah, I hope you're feeling better. <laughs> um, we we love y'all. Uh, it'll be beautiful. You ended Babe, with this a song, us, Hunger yeah. of Lead Us, Brother Homer. Um, <laughs> well. <laughs> Should I? <laughs> oh my gosh, this guy, if you want, babe. No, Harry's no. asking, babe, I be- he's a good singer. Tune in next week. He's a great singer, babe, do it. <laughs> I didn't even warm up my pipes, so get thrashed. No, no um, But we love you guys. Y'all have a great week. Uh, <laughs> be safe. All right, bye. Bye, guys. I hope you enjoyed the message today. If you did, there's a couple things that you could do to connect. First is to subscribe to our show so that the most recent episode will always be in your feed, ready when you are. And second is if this ministry has impacted you and you'd like to help us continue to reach others, you can click the link in the description or visit our website, gravetop.com, and you can give now. I'll see you next time on the Gravetop Church Podcast.